At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Chris and the guys at Greenview Construction LLC are a firm offering professional services in design and, of course, construction. And they are proud to announce that they've completed design and 3D renderings for two-spec home models located in the Jupiter and Palm Beach Gardens area, sitting on over one-acre lots. Now, they've got four lots available for these model homes. The first is a British West Indies model style, totaling just over 4,500 square foot, air-conditioned space, five bedrooms, five bathrooms, and they boast 16-foot ceilings in some areas. The second, more traditional style home, 3,100 square foot, air-conditioned space, four bedrooms and four baths. They boast 14-foot ceilings in some areas. Both models will have a free-flowing layouts that connect the kitchen, the family room, living room, library, I mean library, a den, an outdoor lanai, and both models will have an option to add a detached in-law suite if you really want the in-laws to move in, and a garage totaling an additional 1,000 square foot. You can visit Chris and the team online at www.greenviewconstruction.com. You can email Chris Tyson, that's C Tyson, as in Mike Tyson, C Tyson, at greenviewconstruction.com. Or you can call 561-727-5013. They're also on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're on Twitter. Just look for Greenview Construction. And if that wasn't enough, they have an appointment-only showroom at 715 Commerce Way West, Suite 14 in Jupiter, Florida. Are you a business owner or executive who needs more results from your marketing team? Do you struggle to measure the results of your marketing spend? Or do you need to spend less time running marketing personally? A metrics marketer fractional CMO can help. A fractional CMO delivers measurable results and value by combining real-world experience with a proven marketing framework and process, all at a fraction of the price of a full-time marketing leader. We manage and enhance your existing marketing team while creating programs designed to drive awareness, revenue, and growth for your company. Let us create, manage, and deploy a marketing strategy to help you reach your goals faster. Visit yourfcmo.com, that's yourfcmo.com, to request a free, no-obligation consultation. Mention 3YPC for a special discount of 10% off our services. Grow your business faster with a fractional CMO. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. 
pick two or more players from the same sport or league or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage? Looking for a reputable, fully licensed, insured, and certified contractor? Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. When a disaster strikes in your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. With over 62 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and Eric and their team is prepared to handle any size disaster. The guys are born and raised in South Florida, so changing the narrative on the way contractors conduct business in South Florida is extremely important to them. Their objective is to make cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed building contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There's no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle it all for you. Call or text them anytime at 561-408-7835 for immediate assistance. The number again, 561-408-7835. Water Cleanup of Florida. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And we're continuing our NFL draft guide. And as always, we're brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN and get 20% off your entire order. Simon, you were doing a, a, a mock draft, but you're picking for the Dolphins. And you, you were telling us off the air uh, when you're picking or how many picks you've gone through so far this afternoon. Oh, no, I wasn't picking for the Dolphins. It was uh, Gridiron, the editor and I were doing a live uh, chat about the first 10 picks in the draft. Okay. So I wasn't picking for the Dolphins, otherwise I'd be picking in like September 2023. <laughs> but... Yeah. Can we well, can we arrange that? Can we do a live can we do a live draft that lasts approximately four weeks? Almost certainly. I mean, <laughs> one of one of Alf's answers usually takes that long. <laughs> <laughs> then at the well, we, the final the final thing we do in that uh, in, in that live draft will be picked for the Dolphins at pick number one oh two. Yeah, we could do a mock draft like on a podcast and have it be like the first 15, 16 hour podcast, you know. We can record it over many, many months. And that way we'll know exactly where everybody gets picked. If I get to be the Dolphins and I'm just going to go to sleep, we can start at like, you know, midnight and, you know, I'll wake up the next day and make breakfast and, you know, then, then probably wait another day. <laughs> I'm wondering what they're going to do with, with that pick, really. Uh, at 102. Uh, it, it's entirely possible that, it's, that they're going to do what exactly you said they were going to do, Chris, which is just package all those picks for one and then call it a draft. Doesn't, doesn't that make most sense, though, almost? like Yeah, it does. Like, just come away with one guy, basically, that you got some faith in. Yeah, it makes the, perfect, it makes the most sense. Find one guy that you're going to plug in is going to be a starter and call it a draft, and that's it. And then, you know, just mine the UDFA market for those six, seven guys that might – have a shot at two or three roster spots. They've done a good and, job of that as well over the years. Undraft, they have. Undraft, they have. 
That's well, you know who's good at that is Josh Boyer. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's pretty proven at finding, um, finding those, uh, those really, you know, priority free agent type of uh, defensive backs and corners. I mean, he likes, I think he likes them better. I think he, I think he likes them better than uh, first, second round picks. Mm. Well, we're going to do wide receivers and tight ends here. And uh, I'll start off here. Uh, Simon, do you have any idea who's, who's on the wide receiver court for the Miami Dolphins this year? Sorry, do I have any idea who is the Miami Dolphins wide receiver core? Yes, right now. Yeah, you know, like Lynn Bowden and, and Lynn uh, Bowden. Uh, as in, who do I think will make the team? Yeah, no, who, who's on it? Because there's a couple of guys on here. Did you know that there's a guy called River Craycraft? Craycraft? No, I know there's a guy called River Craycraft, yeah. Absolutely. Craycraft. And another guy called Cody Poor. I had no idea. Yeah. There's, also, there's also a guy named Lynn D. Bowden. Lindy well, you get it you get it get yeah. it D yeah. Bowden. get it you, don't. you gotta figure trench sherfield's making the team right don't don't do comedy anymore <laughs> Devonte deadman is is evidently somebody that's on the team yeah he's swear that. that he's a kid from canada isn't he he's the canada I, superstar cfl i thought he was on the heat <laughs> that's Dwayne deadman <laughs> oh isn't bet. he the wasn't he the best special teams player in the um in the CFL, Deadman. Yes, he was. Dwayne yeah, does the return man. Mm-hmm. And uh, and another wide receiver news: Preston Williams is up to two hundred and twenty-five pounds. Is this good? <laughs> is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? He's six oh, five. He's, that's weird. He's you think that's a bad man. thing? He's not going to make the team anyway, mate. To be honest. Really? Well, wow. Okay. Honestly, well, well honestly, we're starting this might... podcast in a good place here. Well, well, well I mean, honestly, well, does that mean he's replacing Matt Collins? Probably. What circumstances is he making the team? He's played like 10 games in four years. He's never fit. You can't rely on him. Well, they got rid of Mac Hollins and Devontae Parker. So they, I mean, they're kind of running short on guys who are a little bit bigger. I mean, just, Sher- just in Sherfield's, terms of a matchup, you know? Sherfield's 6'1, 220. Yeah, but it's Trent Sherfield. He's a soccer player. <laughs> he's making the team, though. I mean, he's. He is. Does he play? Does he play for Liverpool? Like what? He might do. I mean, probably not because they're so fucking good. But, <laughs> think, but well, yeah. whoever this Cody Core guy is is six three. We know that. Cody Core last. Um, I remember when he played. Uh, he played pretty well in the NFL back in like nineteen seventy five. <laughs> I know he went to Ole Miss, and I remember him playing at Ole Miss. And then you look at his age, and you see that he's twenty eight years old, and then you realize why you don't remember him playing at Ole Miss. Cody Core. You got to figure Cedric Wilson is also, you know, he fits that build for, you know, that bill for the the big wide receiver. But but not, but but not, but but he's like a a slot dude, isn't he? Like, yeah, but he could win, he could win, he could win vertically. I mean, he can. Like, he, I've seen him beat guys, like, you know, with even with speed on the outside, but I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's I have a hard time with uh, with the size of the unit in general, and I, I do think Preston Williams brings something to it. He's played seventeen of forty nine games <laughs> in the last three seasons, so he's well rested. <laughs> Jeez, he, he also had the most mysterious foot injury in the history of foot injuries. To this day, we don't know what happened to his foot, but we know he was well, out for eighteen months. He's a unicorn. He got laminitis. <laughs> 
Yeah, like, I seriously, mean, what happened to his foot? It wasn't an Achilles, okay? We know that. It wasn't an Achilles injury. We know that for a fact. It was something that happened to his foot. And it happened after he had a touchdown pass against the Cardinals. Then he disappeared for eight, for 18 months. And it just be a simple, I mean, probably plantar fasciitis or something like that. I mean, that's, nah. that's pretty common. They'll draft a bigger receiver anyway, so... I don't think it's a problem. You think so? You think? I mean, I, they don't. Then it's not like they got many picks here. <laughs> I, I think they'll drop a bigger receiver. I mean, yeah. we, we we want them. They're going to go with an offensive lineman. We think. I think they're probably going to go with a running back at some point. I don't think they're done. Here's with a guy, that position. Here's a guy that they'll draft. Okay, Dontario Drummond of Ole Miss. You just made that name up. I, I really didn't. I actually saw him play live for East Mississippi Community College in the 2017. You just made that school up. Juco State Championship. East Mississippi. Come on, they're the team that we're on. Um, I know, I know. What should we call it? He is six foot one, two hundred and sixteen pounds, and he is exactly a perfect fit for. You know, he's not a massively fast runner. Lacks a you know decisive top end speed. He's a four six guy, but he is um, he's a yak guy. Where he wins, he's one of the best yak guys in the draft. Um, Often seem all about speed lately, don't they? Yeah, no, absolutely. So just yeah. mix it up with a big fat slow guy. <laughs> let's mix it up let's make you know what they should coach. sign they should sign me then <laughs> yeah he's got that um he has got that kind of versatility he can block he can throw there's the sort of stuff that um cedric wilson does in terms of i, I think there's really good day three value there in that sort of quick pass rpo offense um the only thing is he's he'll be 25 in training camp which will obviously affect his grade but then just makes it more um you know, it makes him a better late round target for the Dolphins. Well, he can rent it. He can rent his own car. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. well, they, they met with Taekwon Thornton. Is that yeah, something or nothing? Like, I mean, he's an interesting player. I, I like him a lot. He's uh, he's kind of been um, he's kind of been pegged as a sort of Marquez Valdez scandling, but uh, he's the best deep threat in the draft. You know, this is a guy with Olympic speed. Like he's a four two six guy. But um, he and he has tiny hands. His hands are like eight inches, um, and he's six three, which is yeah, odd, he right? One hundred eighty-one pounds, and he looks like a pigeon below the waist. Um, <laughs> but, but other than that, he's great. No, but the interesting thing about him is he's been pegged as this pure deep threat, when actually that's not what he does at all. Yes, he's got this Olympic speed to win down the field. He's, he can go up above the rim on contested catches and high point the ball. But actually, he's really good coming out of his breaks. He uses his head, his hips. He kind of creates that instant separation because he's just got that real good short area quickness on top of the ridiculous speed. And you watch him at the Shrine Games in terms of how he got open. They just couldn't cover the guy. Um, and he's arguably the top three or four blocker in the class as well. He's a really, really good blocker. Well, he's from Miami too. So yeah, mm-hmm. don't, you, don't you think uh, like that's that one of their, their local yeah. – Local type well, the of, local uh, thing guys. was a couple of was like ten days ago, wasn't it? And I don't think his name was on the local list. So he wasn't on there. I thought he was. So he ran a ten. I think haven't they seen him? I mean, I don't know this as fact, but I thought they'd seen him individually rather than have had him in at the. He ran mm. a 100 meters in twenty seventeen. So this dude can absolutely um, he can certainly rattle. But there are you know there's big guys in the class. I just um, and highly productive by the way at Baylor. So yeah, yeah. But the the other side is that it's Baylor, right? I mean. Nothing against mm-hmm. Baylor, but this is the this is the conference, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, but the, the flip side to the flip side is that he was incredibly productive at a power five school that focused so incredibly heavily on the run game with Abram Smith and 
and Tristan Ebner in the backfield. But, you know, he is going against Big 12 defences, so it doesn't always make it easy to gauge a receiver's ability, his release packages, all those sorts of things. But like I said, the Shrine practices, it was an eye-opener. Interesting uh, note from Lance Erline. He says he's one of the best 50-50 ball guys in the in, in this draft, which begins to paint a picture, right? Like, they met with him. Uh, where do you think he goes, Simon? Like, any shot at him? Probably day three, I think. Um, okay. Because he's a bit skinny below the waist. But this was a four-star kid, you know. He originally committed to Florida. He was heavily recruited, obviously, by Matt Rule um, when he was Baylor head coach. Uh, so I think he probably goes – he might go late day two, but I think he's probably one of those early to early day three guys. All right. And uh, something that Lance Erlein also says is that he's slow to sink, like which means he's bad at breaking off routes or breaking on routes. I don't see so, that. You didn't see that? I, what he does, I think he looks a little bit legs when he kind of gathers mm-hmm. the ball and then gears back up again. But I, I think he, out of release, mm-hmm. uh, out of his breaks, he can stack corners really well. Um, I, and I just think he is he's very good at coming out of his breaks. Um, so I don't see that at all. At 102, you take him at 102, or are you looking elsewhere? I probably no, I take him at 124 or one. Okay, all right. Now, Chris, he, his his body type, you know, reminds me of. He's not this. He's not. He's not the same speed. But like you know, looking at his body and his build, it kind of reminds me of uh, like someone like TJ Hushmanzada or something. Like you know, there's there's like a I don't know there's a there's a lankiness and like thinness of the of the the body. I thought you were there. gonna say Tony Martin. Tony Martin, because oh, he—that's that's what that, he reminds that me. That brings about yeah, yeah. That's that's not fair. That's that's not bad. Now, what does it say, Chris? I'm going to ask you, and then I'll ask Simon the same thing. A little bit of news that we kind of broke on on OnlyFans. Dolphins were were kind of enamored at 29 when they had the pick. They used the pick. They used the pick on Tyreek Hill. So I would say that their first round pick was well well spent this year. But what does it say that they were kind of enamored with Chris Olave? At 29. Well, you know, if Tyreek Hill wasn't available at number 29, then uh, then you can go with Chris Olave. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, I think uh, I, I think it's obvious that they um, they they are still enamored with speed. It seemed like they placed that emphasis last year, even before Mike McDaniel offense, um, you know, came up a word, um, which is interesting because. You know, looking at the uh, looking at Mike McDaniel and, and what he's, I go back to the Super Bowl that they were in in 2019, the San Francisco 49ers, and they, you know, I was I stood in a room with um, the Zebra Technology people. Um, they were doing a presentation. It was very poorly attended. There were probably like five people in there, and um, and I was I was one of them. They were going through all the GPS data and stuff like that of um, of all the teams, and the number one and number two average speed teams in the NFL that year, like in terms of the person with the ball, you know, how fast average, just, just all given, you know, every play and so on and so forth. There were Kansas city and San Francisco, number one and number two and San Francisco, you know, you look at them and you're like, you didn't think they were built for speed, but um, necessarily aside from like Raheem Mostert, but um but it but it was that way and it was uh they were built for they were built for heavy speed um functionally speaking 
And, uh, and so you think, okay, maybe he's bringing that to, to Miami and that that's part of Chris Olave and, um, and T- Tyreek Hill and so on and so forth. But, uh, but also you, you got to think back to the year before they, where they go, Will Fuller, you know, at uh, a at wide receiver and they go Jalen Waddle at uh, at wide receiver you know that's speed too and um and so i kind of you know wonder whether it just it just really they're just really in sync with one another that way but it, there's clearly i mean you 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 talk you talk about we go from if it wasn't tyreek hill it's chris alave i mean you know this is a guy with functional speed. Um, mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that's interesting, but I think they were going to use that pick on an unhappy, you know, a quote unquote unhappy veteran. Um, I think when the San Francisco 49ers pick started to get worse and worse because they were doing better and better, um, then they stopped thinking about that pick as being like a functional draft pick that they're going to use on a rookie and more of a more of a pick that they're going to uh, try and use opportunistically um, to see, you know, somebody somebody that has a contract impasse uh, in the NFL uh, or amongst other NFL teams and just try and flip that pick over to them. And I think Tyreek Hill was just the, the one that sprang open. Um, but if that had all failed then yeah, I, I had heard that they were, um, they were looking at, at some of the, uh, the speedy wide receivers at that number 29 and Olave is probably uh, as good as any. Uh, Simon, what did you make of, of their assessment of Chris Olave at 29? Yeah. I mean, he's a great player. You know, this is a super consistent wide receiver, a high level technician reminds me of Stefan Diggs. Um, he's got a custom made game for the NFL. I think he's got great hands. He's got great feet. He's an outstanding route runner. You know, I just just don't overthink this. You know, there's so much to like about his game. He's obviously very different to Tyreek Hill. But then he ran, what, did he run a 439? He's run a 1080, 200 meters, mm-hmm. 225, 200 meters. So the guy is, you know, the guy is speedy. You know, he is a fast, fast guy. And it's a great story, actually. I mean, he, Ryan Day only got to see Alave when his high school coach picked him out to catch passes from a quarterback that Ryan Day had come to visit. Nobody had even heard of Chris Alave. Um and then he was just making one-hand stabs and catches behind his back and all sorts of things. Didn't sign the quarterback, signed uh, Alave. And obviously he's become... I, he, he, we were doing a first rounder last year, I think, or a top 40 pick last year. Um, I just think he's a, just a really good player. He's a great route runner. He's patient. He just trusts his natural ability. Uh, I think he's a terrific guy. Uh, now, uh, one question, and, and I guess an add-on to the, to the one question. Is Jameson Williams the, the best wide receiver in this class? And what happened to John Metrie? Uh, to me, he's not. Uh, I have Drake London as a top uh, wide receiver in this class. I, I like Jameson Williams an awful lot. And what I like about him actually is the fact that um, you know, he is more inexperienced, I think, than obviously his counterparts at the top of the draft. But he also has the ability to stretch the field. Um, uh, my questions would be, you know, you lost your starting job to Jackson Smith and Jigba, which is no, you know, which is no detriment. But it will be a question, I think, for coaches as to why you didn't stick it out there. You know, why didn't you try and work your way back? I, I, I think he's a, he's a very interesting player. I don't think he's a one-trick pony. I think he is incredibly sudden. What I love about his route running is that he has the ability to control his tempo. Um, he has some nuance to his route running as well, which I think is, um, you know, he has this ability to, to drop his hips and stop his momentum, like throttle down the speed or then shift up through the gears during his stem, which obviously makes life extremely difficult for a corner. And if you're a corner that's flat footed or a single high free safety, you do not want to see 
this guy coming towards you full speed. You know, he, he's got that sort of Ted Ginn quickness from a Ted Ginn at Ohio State, you know, just the elite quickness that he had. He's also a great special teams player. He's a, a great gunner, excellent tackler. Uh, on special teams but he to me he's and also look he's coming off the um he's coming off the acl tear in, in the national championship so his stock is going to take a bit of a hit but i had him as i'm just looking the fourth best receiver in the class i i don't think he's the best but what i think is interesting about this draft and you just go position by position whether that's you know take the edge where you know is aiden hutchinson number one or is it you know trayvon walker you go to defensive tackle is it Devonte wire or is it jordan davis or is it the kid at yukon you go to linebacker and is it nicobe dean or is it devon lloyd or you know is it channing tindall or is it quay walker or you go to cornerback and you know most people would say it's source gardner but you know straight off the back of that you've got Andrew Booth and you've got Derek Stingley and you've got Kyla Gordon you've got Trent McDuffie and you've got Roger McCreary and you've got Martin Emerson and you've got Kerry Alarm and you know the the gaps between these players aren't very much schematics obviously plays into it in terms of how guys fit into different schemes but I, I think um, you know the wide receivers will be all over the board in terms of what you want. Do you want a big guy like a Drake London? Do you want a big guy like a Traylon Burks? Do you want a guy who's a, a great route runner like an Alave or a Garrett uh, a Garrett Wilson? Do you want a speedster like a Jamison Williams? Do you want a, a plodder who's going to catch everything like a David Bell? Do you want this? Do you want craft and elite quickness like Jahan Dotson? You know, as for Mechie, what happened to him is that he tore his ACL. He tore his ACL in the SEC Championship game. Um, I felt he plateaued a little bit, I think, last year. Um but I suppose I think it's quite difficult to compare John Mechie to what's come before. You know, he isn't mm. Calvin Ridley, he isn't a Jerry Judy, he isn't a Jalen Wardle. Stylistically, he is very different. I, I think the similarities in the route running in terms of his polish, you know, he's got he's balanced in and out of his breaks, he's got that ankle flexion. He's a possession in inverted commas. I hate that term possession receiver or speed receiver, mm. I think. But he is a possession receiver. He's got excellent footwork. You look at his his releases off the line. He, he watches a lot of tape. You go back and watch that Auburn game where Alabama were 10-0 down and came back and won. You see, you see him getting the the touchdown in overtime against Roger McCreary, who to me is a top 40 pick. You do not get many wide receivers in college who can do what he did in terms of the way he got open against McCreary one-on-one. I think he's great down at the goal line in terms of how he gets open because of his, his releases. Um, but obviously... The, the medical is going to play a huge thing because essentially you're punting on the season for, for John Mechie. All right. Uh, Chris, uh, you, you're not as polished as Simon is on all these product on all these prospects, but uh, you could did have you ended have... that statement. Uh, you're not as polished as Simon. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't have been true by the way. <laughs> but what do you have as far as the top of this, of this class? Because I, I was watching today uh, on Good Morning Football, and they were talking about as many as five. I don't see five. I uh, personally, every year they talk about how the wide receiver class is better every year, year in and year out. I don't quite see it this year, to, to be completely honest. Uh, although I haven't dug as deep as Simon has, so Simon can tell me that I'm wrong. Am I wrong, by the way, Simon? What, sorry, what was the question? You just broke off it there. Yeah, uh, I said that that I don't find this this class particularly deep. The wide receiver class. Yeah, oh, wide receiver deep. class. Oh, I do. That's I one thing deep. I do know about the class. I mean, like, stop me when we get into day three, okay? Uh, this is a okay. genuine thing. Stop me. Drake London, George Pickens, mm-hmm. Chris Alave, Jameson Williams, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson, John Mechie, David Bell, Christian Watson, Sky Moore, Wondell Robinson, Alec Pierce, Kahil Shakir, I can tell you we're definitely still on day two at this point. Kyle Phillips, Tyquan Thornton, 
Jalen Tolbert, Romeo Dubs, Danny Gray. We're almost certainly still on day three, maybe into day four, but probably day three, uh, day two. Um, Calvin Austin, probably still day two. And then there's questions about uh, Makai Polk and Mississippi State might get into day two as well. I mean, and that to me you, is... You didn't even say, you didn't even say Justin Ross. <laughs> I didn't say Justin Ross because I think the medicals will... I, yeah. I, I've heard the medicals are not good for Justin Ross. But I, I mean, if Justin... Well, okay, that's fair. But I mean, if Justin Ross is day three, then this is a deep class. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not an expert on this entire class, but I'm an expert on some of these players. And Charleston Rambo having a fourth round grade is insanity to me. Yeah, there's guys. I mean, I, I I don't have Rambo that high. I've got to say, uh, there's guys on day three that I think are really good players. Javon Heli of Coastal Carolina, Bo Melton of Rutgers. There's a kid at Nickel State, Dajeen Dixon, who reminds me of Cortland Sutton. Um, there's a kid at Sam Houston State, Jaquez Ezard, who's the, probably the biggest big play receiver in college football. I mean, he averages 27 yards a catch and 18 yards of punt return. Um, Calvin Turner at Hawaii, you know, the, the Ty Fry Fogel at Indiana. You know, Jalen, you go down to Jalen Naylor at Michigan State and Velas Jones at Tennessee. You know, Velas Jones is a, you know, one of the best return guys. And, you know, people talking about him ending up on the, the second day um, in terms of, um, you know, what he can do. Uh, one of the best blockers in the draft as well. So uh, there's 25, 26 receivers in this class who, you know, you could potentially say were top five first five rounds guys there's some real it's a really deep class one of the deepest classes uh, in this uh, position classes in in this draft where'd you come out on david bell because uh didn't he didn't he end up like um you know kind of really disappointing with his uh, pro day or yeah although but kind of like you know david bell is david bell right i don't think anybody thought he was going to run fast or test he ran a 462 i don't think anybody thought he was going to be but like he's Alan Robinson, like he's technical, he's tough, he's fearless, he's got good size, he's got great ball skills. Like he doesn't play like a guy that's four four, but he doesn't play like a guy who's slow. Do you know what I mean? He gets open. He's one of those draft good college players, guys. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's not going to out test you, but he's got a great brain. He can block. He's got great hands. He'll block down near the goal line. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, he's just a um, he's the sort of player who you know ends up playing ten years. A really high level is a really good role player for an offense as an X. You know, you don't need to manufacture touches for him. He's just a really good player. He's tough as old boot leather. Um, He'll go up and make catches. And yeah, I I really like him. All right. So, and and we're going to get into, you know, guys that can be in that sweet spot at 102 to 125. Uh, I have one, and I guess I'll ask you about him. Jalen Naylor of Michigan State. He seems faster than that four or five he ran at the combine to me. I saw him play like, you know, he's always injured. Okay. Now that's his issue. Okay. He's taken an injury every single year in college. Okay. But he's a good blocker. He's physical. And he's always struck me as much, much faster than that four or five. Like I always figured he'd be one of those guys that would blaze a four or three at the combine, but not so. Uh, your thoughts on, on him, Simon? Yeah, he ran a 1070 in 100 meters. So, you know, he is fast. His nickname is Speedy, actually. Um, but the injuries are an issue. Five games in 2018, nine games in 2019 with a broken foot, sat out the last four games of 2021 with a right hand injury. Um, he is a vertical threat. He was a state championship sprinter. Um, but four seasons, he only played one full season, and that was the six game season of 2020. Um, He's got return speed. He's got great speed in terms of just, you know, straight line speed. Um, I'm not, I mean, to me, he's a day three, he's a late day three guy. Um, mm-hmm. 
I mean, I like the fact that, you know, you look at the, you know, with the ball in his hand, he's a really interesting guy. He's a bit of a yak menace. He's got good vision in the open field. Go back to that Rutgers game. You know, he had three, three touchdowns in the first half, 63, 63, 65 yards. You know, I think you'd be concerned about taking a guy that high who only has 86 career catches across four years. Do you know mm. what I mean? But I think there's something there for a sort of fourth, fifth receiver, return man, special teams gunner with with speed to burn. All right. Uh, Chris, do you got a guy for 102 to 125? No, no. Well, not really at 102. I Frankly, I think um, I think after after signing Cedric Wilson and uh, and and drafting Tyreek Hill or not draft. <laughs> um, <laughs> sort of. Um, but uh, but trading for Tyreek Hill with Jalen Waddle already on roster and, you know, we're talking and I know that Simon doesn't think he's going to make the team, but I, I think he probably will. And that's Preston Williams. And we're talking about, yes, Lynn Bowden, everybody keeps saying that he's going to be used like Debo Samuel. And I'm like, okay, the guy couldn't even make the roster last year, but now he's Debo Samuel. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I think that they have some assets there. I'm a little bit more intrigued with um you know some of the guys at the bottom uh the the guy that we i i looked at the guy that we picked up uh from the cfl and um and he was you know he is compelling um and so i'm a little bit intrigued with him i'm a little bit intrigued with trent sherfield obviously because he's um he's really good i think that river craycraft is probably here for a reason to be honest, um, I think that there's going to be there's going to be some competition between Lynn, Lynn Bowden and River Craycraft um, for sort of a, a backup, um, you know, a backup role, backup slot role, I guess you could say. Uh, and Devonte Dedman as well, the um, the CFL guy. Uh, they're all kind of similar players. I think there's going to be some competition between Trent Sherfield and Preston Williams, maybe Cody Core. I, I did see him at the Shrine practices, by the way, a long time ago, once upon a time. But um, you know, I think there's going to be competition between Preston Williams and Trent Sherfield for uh, position behind, you know, on the, as as an outside player, um, not behind Devonte Parker anymore because he's not here. But um, but I think that uh, and Trent Sherfield, obviously, they had him in San Francisco. He's here for a reason. So I think there are the there are guys at the bottom of the roster, even discounting the top of the guy, roster guys that are kind of here for a reason to try and install a system. And so I have a hard time believing that they're even going to take one to be 100 percent honest. I, I don't think they're going to consider it until like, we get the PF until we get to priority free agent uh, land. And, um, and so I, you know, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure there's anybody at 102. I think the interesting thing is the roster construction, which seems weird talking about it April the 13th or whatever we are, but you know, how many running backs are they going to carry? They're going to carry a fullback because they signed Alex Ingold, the John Lovett's on the roster as well, right? They're Mm going to carry a fullback. The question will then become, do they carry five receivers or six receivers? If they carry six, Limboden can essentially double up as a running back in a, you know, if if we needed him to. Do you know what I mean? Tight mm. ends, obviously, the offense is kind of predicated on the strength of tight ends. Now we've got five on the roster currently. I can't see all five making it. So I, I would suggest that Seaton Carter is the, the odd man out there. Do they keep four? Do they keep three? If they keep three, that obviously means you can potentially keep six receivers, knowing that one extra place has been taken by your fullback. If they keep four, you're probably going to end up with five receivers. 
So at that point, you know that Cedric Wilson, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill are making the roster. And then it's, you know, it's one from six, uh, two from six, really, to, to, to make it. So it's very interesting to, you know, when you're kind of moving these jigsaw puzzle pieces around mm. to know that we have to remember that there will be a fullback almost certainly on the roster this year, which then probably takes away a wide receiver or a tight end. You're right. right. Actually, that is, that is a big that's a big factor that we don't normally think about. Like we, we don't normally have to think about, I think um, with the fullback and, and it does take away from skill from the number of skill units. I, now I, and when it comes to the tight ends, you're talking about, okay, we know that Mike Gesicki is still going to, still going to be on board. We know that Durham Smythe is still going to be on board because they just gave him a, a contract and he's got a place like, when they need an end of the line tight end, uh, I think you know they're they're probably going to be thinking more of Durham Smythe uh, even than Mike Gesicki, um, and then Hunter Long. They're not going to get rid of him. So, but you still got Adam Shaheen here who did show something for the Dolphins last year. Now I've heard that Frank Smith had Adam Shaheen in Chicago and didn't necessarily love him, mm. but um, given what he did you know, and what he showed as a dolphin once they, they, uh, they got him, it's hard for me to imagine that he's not actually going to make it as a fourth tight end here um, on this team. Uh, Seathan Carter is really hard to say. There's still a contract issue with him, but, um, but yeah, so they've, they've not only got a lot of, you know, they've got the fullback thing. They've, they've still got a lot of tight ends, rosterable tight ends. And, um, and so it's just, it's it's still just tough for me. Like you're talking about 102 and 125. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say I'm going to be very surprised if it's a wide receiver. All right. And moving on to tight ends and we will finish up here. Uh, Simon. Yeah. If you look at the dolphins roster, I think season season Carter has a problem. And that is that they sign Alec Engel. I I think that was his back door onto the roster. Also the the other problem with him is that he's shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's the main problem. Uh, I mean, to me, that's the number is one. Is that all? That he's shit. <laughs> but to be, fair, draft, to be fair, there have been many Dolphins players that have overcome that problem and made the roster anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, who am I to talk? I mean, as Baker Mayfield said today, what was that great quote from Baker Mayfield? <laughs> Something like, I wish I could show up at somebody's cubicle and just boo them all day. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But, I mean, who am I to sit here and say that about a Seaton Carter? Yeah, the, the, the obvious answer, the, the obvious retort to Baker Mayfield is pay me $35 million a, a year and you can come boo me all you want. Yeah, yeah. I'll so give you my address. He's not, he's not great. And he ain't making this team. All right. Uh, as far as tight ends, um, is there a possibility? Because there's one in particular. Uh, I don't know how fast he is. He hasn't run. Uh, he kind of lumbers, but his tape checks out as far as for all the things that they're going to want him to do. Jeremy Ruckert of uh, Ohio State. Any yeah. shot whatsoever he's in there in that 125 range? Or is he going to go earlier, Simon? I think probably going to go earlier. He's got the foot injury, which obviously has meant that he's not been able to Yeah work out um i i think he's a, a really good player he's my number three tight end i mean hugely underused um he's got great hands he's got smooth route running he's potentially very solid in the run game he has some inconsistencies in terms of blocking on the move he bizarrely given how good he is in line um and at the third level so at the second level sorry he falls off blocks and he when he motions down and comes down the line to block, he will inexplicably duck his head and whiff completely. But to me, you're going to get a sort of Mark Andrews light type value pick 
with this kid. I mean, he was a former five-star guy. He was the Gatorade player of the year in New York. Um, you know, so I think he is an excellent player who had 54, only 54 catches in four years. Not because he's not a good receiver. It's just that, you know, you average less than three targets a game when you've got Garrett Wilson, Chris Alave, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Justin Fields, Travion Henderson and Ed Al on that roster, you know, so that's just, but you go back to some of those big games, Clemson, Alabama, you know, guy making big catches, either to move the chains or big touchdown catches can reach away from his frame to get it. Go back to the Wisconsin game. He's instinctive. He's yeah. I, I like him a lot. He's a good player. I don't, does he get to, I mean, they're not, how could they, how could you justify drafting the tight end? You After can't. they did it last year, right? With Hunter oh. Long. <laughs> Unless you're going to trade Hunter Long or you're going to trade Mike Gesicki, I just can't see it. Mm, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, I can. Uh, one thing I could have seen, but I think that that's over with now, is trading Mike Gesicki to use his money elsewhere, maybe a right tackle, and then, you know, digging into this draft, try to package those two picks to get a tight end of their choice. Like don't, I don't know if 102 and 125 equal Trey McBride, which I think is the class of the, of the tight end class. I don't know. Am, am I wrong? No, McBride has his number one guy. Greg Dulcich at UCLA is a really, really good player. Uh, he but really you agree player. with me, right? 102 and 125 does not equal Trey McBride. Almost certainly not. But uh, none of Miami's picks should equal tight end. Yeah. Okay. I think that's I, right. But, but although, although, what would you think? I mean, because this is this is a hot button. Fans are going to want to know about him anyway. Um, but on Quanco from uh, from from Maryland, I mean, he's he's kind of fullback tight end uh, combo dude, and um, and you know, there's a lot of, I mean, there's 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 a lot of love for him out there, and yeah. if you think about him, if you think about him as sort of a versatility guy, uh, could you, you know, could you possibly see it in in Miami? Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's like. He's a Johnny Smith type. I think he's got speed. He's got yak ability. I mean, he ran a 452 at the combine. The biggest issue for him is that he has a pretty significant medical red flag. So his father died of a heart attack at dinner when uh, when uh, a Quanquo was in high school. And he missed all of 2020 due to myocarditis. So it's the inflammation oh, of the heart muscle. Mm. Um, so uh, with, the, with his father dying of a heart attack, I would suspect that teams would worry quite significantly about that given... Uh, the path that he's gone down. I, I, he runs fast. I don't think he, that speed always shows up on tape, um, but he's twitchy. Uh, he gets open. He can create space at the top of his routes. He's uh, natural with the ball in his hand. Um, and he shows up big in, in short yardage situations, makes a number of catches in tight coverage, knows how to uncover underneath, down at the goal line. You know, some concentration drops. Um, but yeah, high character kid, uh, good player. Uh, I... You know, I mean, what is he, 238, 6238? So he's on the small side. I mean, there's a couple of, you know, if they want blockers, there's a couple of guys out there that are, you know, really, really good blockers. And it kind of, for me, I mean, look, the, the top guys, Dulcich blocks really well, McBride blocks really well, Kate Otten of Washington is a really good blocker. Um, you go down the list, though, you look at a guy like, now where is he? Um, Daniel Bellinger of San Diego State is a really, really good blocker. He's somebody that will just knock you on your ass. I mean, he will throw you out of the club and then follow you down the stairs and chuck you onto the motorway. He's that, <laughs> you know, he's that kind of guy. And then the kid I absolutely love is Co Keefe at, at Minnesota, who is a, a guy, he's one of those joys when you're doing draft stuff where you just find yourself studying one player and all of a sudden the guy you've never heard of keeps showing up and doing amazing shit. And you're just like, who the 
fuck is this guy? And <laughs> Koki, I was watching Tyreek Smith of Ohio State, and I just kept seeing this guy, number 42, coming down and absolutely crushing people. And then at one point, he takes Smith completely out of a play. He walks him 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage and then pancakes him into the ground. So you're like, okay, let me check this guy. You Google him and you see his size. And you're like, okay, he's a senior. He's 6'4", 259. Where else can I see him play? You watch him in the Purdue game and he's pulling left to right and he's folding up a blitzer like a deck chair. You flip on the Maryland game and there he is outside left tackle, turning out a defensive end so that the so that Mo Ibrahim can run in behind for a touchdown. Then you put on the Wisconsin tape just to make sure and he's pancaking Jack Sanborn seven or eight yards down the field. Um, and these just aren't individual plays and kind of see nothing else. This is, this is a guy crushing people every snap. He averages a knockdown every six snaps. Yeah, The flip side is he's only touched the ball 13 times in five years, 12 receptions, one rush. But he's going to be a guy who plays for a decade as a blocking tight end. And I would not be shocked to see somebody like Matt LaFleur or Carl Shanahan or Aaron Mike McDaniel have him lined up like a Carl Juszczyk and just mash his way into defenders as a fullback. So he's an interesting guy to keep an eye out on as well. All right, and we're going to have to end it there. And the next time we talk to you, we will be talking offensive linemen. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.